When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. This week on Live in the Bream, I am so honored to have one of my all-time favorite people in the business and out. You know him, you love him. He is our chief Washington correspondent, a dad, a father, um, one of your favorites too, I have no doubt. Mike Emanuel, thanks for joining us on Live in the Bream. Shannon, honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Listen, you have covered so many different beats. Um, you have been around the world. What would you say has been your favorite assignment as a journalist? Uh, great question. Uh, a couple of them involved President Bush and overseas travel. I uh, had the blessing of going with him to the Holy Land. And I was the network pool correspondent the day that President Bush went to Bethlehem to the Church of the Nativity. And if you have a religious or faithful bone in your body, uh, that is a must-see place to go in the world. And I had the, uh, the blessing, the honor to be with the President of the United States. And, um, and it was interesting because uh, the Greek Orthodox have pretty prominent uh, real estate in the Holy Land. And so there were a bunch of Greek Orthodox priests. And so I was speaking a little Greek to them, um, not very That's well, it. but... they got a little bit and and they were blown away and um so the advanced guy knew that i was greek orthodox and he knew that the president was going to be you know in a private area of the church of the nativity for a while and so he said come here they want to meet you and so he brought me back by uh the altar table behind the icon screen and and uh and the guy was just blown away the the hierarch for the Middle Eastern region was just blown away that a Greek Orthodox boy was all the way in Bethlehem Mm -hmm. following the American president around. And it was a beautiful moment. And then the other one I think that was really cool was uh, when President Bush went to the Vatican um, to meet Pope Benedict for the first time. And I'm not Roman Catholic, but I have a healthy respect for people's traditions. And uh, so I thought it was just really cool getting a chance to go into the Vatican with the American president And I remember running down these ornate hallways in the Vatican and all of a sudden realizing I'm in the Pope's private library with the Pope behind his desk and the president of the United States across the desk from him. And uh, so we had just come from a G8 summit and Vladimir Putin was giving President Bush a hard time. Sound familiar? And um, (laughs) yes, it does. And so Pope Benedict says to him, how is Mr. Putin? And President Bush looks over at us, the press corps that's in there for like the first two minutes of the meeting. And he said, I'll tell you in a minute. And then he looks at me <laughs> and he goes, Mikey, how are you? And uh, I thought, wow, I just got called Mikey inside the Vatican by the American president in front of the Pope. Um, how did I get here? Uh, what a blessing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that is the thought I so often have, like, how did I get here? What am I doing? And like you said, I mean, our jobs can take us to so many amazing places. So I have to go back to the beginning. What was it that made you think about doing journalism? And did you ever in your wildest imagination think you would end up in those kinds of situations? 
great question. I, you know, I grew up in a household with news junkies and my dad was a civil engineer. My mom was a trailblazer on Wall Street. And I respected them so much because they worked so hard to make it happen for their three sons. But I didn't particularly have an interest in what they did. But what they did in their free time was listen to news radio. We had three newspapers in the driveway every morning. Um, you know, I remember like actual papers. Exactly. Love exactly. That. So they got the New York Times, they got the Wall Street Journal and they got the New York Star Ledger so they could track uh, their children's sports activities because <laughs> the Star Ledger did a nice job on high school sports coverage. And so I grew up, I think, eating my Cheerios with News Radio 88 WCBS on in the background. And so it was just around me, osmosis. And my parents said to me, you know, as I was a teenager, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I, I'm really interested in the news. And they said, well, you should pursue that. Why not? And I wrote for the high school newspaper. And when I got to Rutgers University as a freshman, I saw an ad in the school newspaper basically saying, you know, WRSU radio looking for DJ, sports, news, blah, blah, blah. And I did college radio uh, sports all throughout my, my college career. Uh, and that was awesome. I got to, you know, be in front of a live microphone and work on ad-libbing and uh, speaking without a script. And so um, it was great training. And then uh, my parents encouraged me like, well, if you want to do that for a living, you know, figure it out. And I interned a lot and was scared to death because I didn't know anybody in the business and um, sent out resume tapes all over the country. And the first place to call and offer me a job was Midland, Odessa, Texas. And I had gotten home from church choir practice. And my father said to me, Mikey, a news director from Midland, Texas called. She's offering you 14 five a year. And she says, you'll get to do everything. And my Wall Street mother looks at me and says, Michael, are you going to be able to live on 14 five a year? And I said, mom, I don't know, but I'm about to find out. And mm. uh, left home and went to West Texas and met some wonderfully friendly people. And um, as you know, as somebody who's lived in lots of different parts of the country, it's fun exploring a new area and, you know, grew to love Mexican food, of course, and uh, probably a little too much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, went to the rodeos and learned about the oil business and uh, learned about the passion for high school football in West Texas, home of Friday Night Lights. And it was the start of a an amazing adventure and, you know, met a lot of other young people who wanted to chase the same dream that you and I have had over the years. And um, they became great friends. And it was the start of a journey in Texas and, and uh, went from there to Waco, Texas, to Austin, Texas, and uh, eventually to here. A lot of Texas in there. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff in Texas. Like you say, the people, and it is fun to not only travel to places, but to live in different, as we call them, markets and get to know the local flavor, the local food, the local folks, um, traditions, all kinds of things. It is a really fun part of the job. Um, and you got to be flexible because <laughs> first of all, you never know where you're going to end up living. And second, you don't even know what your assignment is going to be for the day, especially as a local reporter. Whereas you said for the glamorous salary of 14.5, you're going to be <laughs> trying to like string together roommates and ramen noodles and yes, you know, pitching sure. stories. But the great thing I love about that, and you're probably the same way. I would not trade those years of figuring things out and finding my way um, 
because you learn to do everything for yourself. I think that's something that um, a lot of young people now coming out of school, like they've had the opportunity to, to shoot and to, you know, edit and to do all of these things that I think when you do that as a, a small market reporter and you learn how to handle all that stuff, you're just that much more grateful when you get to the place where we are, where we have producers that we work with and amazing people that help us get the job done. And also, you know, in a pinch, you could do all of it. I mean, you can pitch your stories, you can you know, track down the interviews. You could chase people around as you've done Capitol Hill and the white house and everywhere else. Um, and you know how to do those things. So I think there's purpose in every single detour and every single job. Um, and there's always something and somebody to learn from. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. The only thing I didn't do in West Texas was the weather because the weather can be very serious business. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. want tornadoes bearing down on the area of people's lives at stake and have me up there who didn't really know what he was talking about. But um, I ran my own teleprompter while anchoring oh, after, yes. after taping the scripts myself together. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, like you, I have a December birthday. And so I moved out there on my birthday, December 10th. And then so two weeks later, guess what is the new person at the TV station? You, you're working all the holidays. And so exactly. Christmas Day, I'm anchoring and and don't really know what I'm doing, but uh, it's it's exciting and uh, right. it was a great rush of adrenaline, and so I got to do it all and and I wouldn't have tra- traded it for anything in the world because I made great friends and I learned so much and I would also tell young people that I give advice to now that like it's better to make your mistakes at that level exactly than on you know the national level where all of a sudden you look like a deer in the headlights and you're thinking Not that oh I my gosh done that <laughs> <You're> right right <laughs> Not that I don't make mistakes now but yes Absolutely. it's much less painful when you're in that market and you can I remember I was doing a story one time in Tampa Florida which is the is through a weird series of events I was a lawyer but I started doing some reporting there and it was actually out reporting on a restaurant. I was out there. It was closed because I had really early mornings and overnight. So it was like, you know, maybe six o'clock in the morning. I'm standing in front of the closed restaurant. And I think they'd had a situation with food poisoning or E. coli or something like that. But the whole idea was the only people who had gotten sick are the ones who'd eaten meat. And I could not remember the word meat. I'm like, you know, the not vegetable stuff. They didn't have salads. They didn't have, I'm looking for the word meat. And you're like, yes how can I lose the word meat? (laughs) And I got a few emails about that one, but again, better to do it there than here. Absolutely. And it happens. And, you know, you learn so much about it. And if there's a technical difficulty at our level, which happens in live TV from time to time, hopefully you've been through it before. And so you just go, all right, the show must go on, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm going to ad lib. I'm going to hope my producer is in my ear telling me where we're going to go. Are we going to commercial? (laughs) Are we going to bring up another guest? Is it something that's very different? I find that um, I didn't do a whole lot of in local TV. Although when I started anchoring, we did some was to have live guests on the show. I did Mm -hmm. that on the morning show more, but you know, more as a reporter, you're running out, you're chasing people down, you're getting the story, you're putting together a piece. Um, And I found that was uh, a trickier skill to learn for me to have a bunch of live guests, which, you know, you anchor all the time. Live guests are a big part of the shows that we do um, seven Mm -hmm. days a week on Fox. So you prep the best you can. um, And sometimes you get something unexpected from the guest. You go down a different trail than you thought you might. Um, I've actually had a guest walk off. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, they did not like the line of questioning. And it was really more about the the, um, co-panelist who was on with them, another guest that was on with them than it was me. But at least I was left with somebody. Um, Have you ever had uh, a tricky live interview situation? 
Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was doing your show one time and uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert was on uh, from the great state of Colorado and she had a bunch of guns behind her. And I thought she's just doing this to make heads explode. And so <laughs> it probably works for that yeah. purpose. So I said, uh, OK, I know we're talking about this hearing or whatever and whatever controversy of the day was. And I said, but I've got to address what you've got going on behind you now. You know, what's the deal? Why did you have those weapons behind you for a live TV interview? And and so she handled it well and it was fine. But, you know, like I had to you have to ask the question, like, what's the point? What are you getting at there? Um, and, yeah, every once in a while, um, I, I had one woman come on on the weekend and, you know, getting guests on weekends is uh, not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> exactly. So this woman came on and we gave her an opportunity and she was clearly progressive from San Francisco. And she came on and was just complaining about Fox and, you know, complaining about other hosts, oh boy. unnamed hosts. And I just said, you know, wait a second, you're a guest. Like, be a good guest. Right. You be accepted good. this invitation. Did you and, know and, where you were going today? And I actually called her after the show and I just said, like, look, we had you on. I was happy to hear your view, but like when you come on and start beating up the network, you put me in an impossible situation. Right. Exactly. And all of a sudden, then I got to be a combatant because I think where we work is pretty terrific. Our audience thinks where we work is pretty terrific. And so if you're coming on Bad Mouth and Fox, well, like I've got to address it. And mm -hmm. so I said, I'd rather let you make your your points from your view and have the conservative guest make his or her points from their view. And hopefully we have a good discussion back and forth rather than complaining when we've invited you on and you're a guest. And so that was a little awkward. That is a little awkward when it gets super combative with people, or like you said, they're coming after us as listen, we're giving you a platform. We're thankful when people from different sides of uh, any topic, come on, yeah. because we want our viewers are smart enough to listen to the full facts, the full opinions, whatever it is with whatever the issue is and make their own decisions. So we want to have those conversations, but we have to do so politely as much as possible. <laughs> you and I are both in the same vein of trying to make sure that happens for our viewers. Amen. Um, I did one time have someone that got into such a heated fight with the other panelists that they got up and left and they were in, um, they were in a studio by themselves. So the amazing Tom Lowell, who was producing at that time and is now risen through the ranks and is one of our finest people at Fox. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a brilliant mind for news and for respecting our viewers and, you know, really digging on interesting stories. So he, he says to, <laughs> he says to the, the um, studio where the panelists had gotten up and made a big scene out of taking off his mic and walking out. We, he says, go back to the empty chair. Like he wanted a shot on the panelist who was left me. We're all in three different places in the empty chair. And then he says to the person in the studio with the empty chair, I don't want to see you in the shot, but can you go kick it? So the chair is twirling around. Like the person was in such a hurry. <laughs> They're like, leave the chair twirling around. And we took, we went back to the camera um, on this twirling around chair. That's Tom. He is brilliant. He has great ideas, yes. but you know, you, you do have to just roll with it because you never know what's coming. Yeah. Um, live TV. You never know. <laughs> Live in the Bream continues in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, price line. You've talked a lot about your faith. Um, I think both of us take great comfort in our faith. Um, Outside of work, at work, we, we're at a place that respects our faith, which is wonderful. And we have many coworkers of all different faiths. Yes. Um, and it's really, I'm very grateful to be in that environment. Um, and those who have no faith at all, I mean, they'll still come. And I know they do with you have conversations or have questions. And I feel really grateful for that. Um, I know it's been a big sustaining for you, um, issue for you, your whole life. But now recently with your family has gone through some tough stuff this year. I adore your family. And I wonder if you might want to share a little bit about kind of this journey you guys have been on and where you are now. Sure. Thank you very much. Um, my lovely life, my lovely wife, excuse me, uh, Evangeline or Lynn um, said to me around Christmas time or so, she said, you know, I don't feel quite right. And I said, well, listen to your body. Mm-hmm. And she went to a variety of tests and appointments and, she said, oh, they think I have um, a, a cyst that needs to be removed that's grown and, and just needs to come out. And then I heard a growth. And as they got better looks at it, they said, actually, it's quite large and um, it needs to come out, but it's too big to come out laparoscopically. And so then she started asking questions of the doctors saying, you know, well, can you do some things to like shrink it? And still do it laparoscopically. And they said, no, because if it's malignant, we don't want any cells Mm. to get out of that area and flow through your body. And so, you know, we were prayerful about it. Um, As parents, we were worried how our 15 and 14 year old children were going to take the news that mom was going to have big surgery that would require a four to six week uh, excuse me, recovery. Uh, And that's if it all went well. Um, And then we were worried about how her parents, her dad was turning 90, how they were going to take it, her mom at 83. And, you know, we were just praying about it. And um, we both had the kind of a peace come over us, basically saying, okay, one step at a time, we're going to get through this together. And I remember telling her at one point, I said, I I hope, I hope and pray that we're going to look back at this experience and say, you know what, we're really blessed to have great family and friends who were able to hold our hands um, through a difficult time. And and that includes the Breams, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, Shannon and Sheldon, who were there every step of the way. Um, And so we go in for surgery in February and she's ready to go. And she's, you know, mentally prepared, um, spiritually prepared, faithfully prepared. And the surgeon uses the term tumor and starts talking to her about whether she wants a full hysterectomy. And, you know, she said um, the blessing of having a brother who is a doctor with a different specialty, but still a doctor. He said, look, your blood work looks pretty good. And he said, if they want to do a full hysterectomy, I would tell them no. Mm-hmm. Um Unless when the doctor gets in there and sees it's a mess, then tell him to do whatever it takes to save your life. But, you know, one step at a time, basically. Mm -hmm. And so thank God she went through her surgery. She woke up and she looked at the surgeon and she said, did you do a full hysterectomy? Knowing that if he did, that meant it looked pretty bad. And he said, nope, did Mm -hmm. not. Took out your appendix, uh, took out an ovary, um, but it looks good. And had a doctor looking at the growth 
that was actually the size of an eggplant. Oh, my goodness. And he was doing analysis on it right in the operating room. And he said from his perspective, his professional view was that it was likely benign. And so we were grateful. And then two weeks later, we went back for a follow-up visit. And um, this surgeon came in and he said, this report is the best news I can give a patient. And he said, in fact, you should get out of here because you don't belong here. Um, (laughs) Go buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, because, uh, you know, we were imagining like she was in a lot of discomfort. It was a big surgery. And we thought, like, can you imagine if the surgeon had come in and said it's cancer? And by the way, you need to start chemo and radiation. Uh, Thank God that was not our journey. But, um, you know, we are grateful that um, people who uh, friends from church and friends like you and your husband and um, so many people embraced us and were there for us, offering to give rides to our children bring us food, whatever we needed. And, uh, you know, we, we count our blessings and, and we're grateful. Well, everyone loves you so much because you're that kind of friend who does all of those things for other people. And I would just note for the record, when we sent food, it was not food I made because I do love you guys. So it was, <laughs> it was food from somewhere else because <laughs> I want you to have a good meal. You know what it I mean? Was... I can make about three things and you don't want any of them. I didn't think it was appropriate to send my chicken pot pie. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. You and your husband are, are first class and, um, and a real blessing in our lives. Well, we feel the exact same way. And I know our viewers feel the same way too. They can count on you that you are going to be hardworking and honest and fighting for this story and sharing the truth with them. And we love that um, we're in the same family with you. I love that um, we get to work together and do life together. And I'm just so thankful you took time out for living the bream today. So all the folks who know and love you could get to know you a little bit better, Mike. Thank you, Shannon. We all love you too. And uh, thank you for having me. This has been such a pleasure. All right, dinner soon. I'm going to send you some dates. Absolutely. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.